How do your uh, suggestions for episodes usually start? <laughs> it's a couple of it's a couple of words. It's an idea, something that I've that I've heard that I thought, oh my goodness! And I usually, if I find something I think it's interesting, I'll I'll bring it up in a conversation at like a Starbucks to someone standing in line with me, or someone at the gym who has a higher IQ than I do, <laughs> <laughs> and then I just send it over to Joe. I said. What can you do with this? And let me tell you, they're raw and, and uh, rough. This one, uh, you emailed me, and it was it, like it was it was a video, and it, it 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 you had a premise. So could you could you start with what was that video about, and and what was your connection? I was very as a young man in high school. I was sixteen years old. I was very very into um, bodybuilding, exercising. I had a subscription to Muscle and Fitness. Flex magazine. Um, my kitchen and my bathroom was filled with supplements, amino acids, weight gainer because I was a skinny, scrawny, pimple faced boy. And I just loved it. I was just into the whole thing the dieting, the tanning. Well, we got an assignment at school by Mr. Pete's. It was a media class, and we were going to make a calendar. We had to make a sports calendar that we were going to sell at the school. So he, he suggested things like, you know, try to, you know, employ the, the cheerleaders or do one for the baseball team or the basketball team, go out, f- photograph them. And then we're going to go in the dark room. This is the olden days, late eighties. And then we're going to produce a calendar that you can sell. And we're going to have a competition. What, what caliber are these calendars usually? Um, they're 16 year olds made, <laughs> <laughs> in the late 80s with desktop publishing software that would would we probably have better stuff on our phones today right so like pictures of kids in front of their like their cars or like stuff they could find around the neighborhood basically hair feather back yeah yeah they're gonna be okay. blurry a basketball player running definitely not a pro caliber and i thought i want to do something about bodybuilding because i think bodybuilding is a sport too um now, I went to a gym. It's called Gold's Gym. And in that gym, we had a professional bodybuilder. Now, she wasn't just a professional. She finished in the top five in Miss Olympia. But she was also a professional model, a drop-dead gorgeous woman. And she was a star on a very popular action. Um, it was like a, what do you call it, those shows, kind of like American Ninja Now, where you have to go through... Um, you have to go through certain obstacles and try to get these big American gladiators. It's called American Gladiators. She was a star on that show. Now, I had not put two and two together here. She worked out at her gym, but in those days, bodybuilders were very unapproachable. They always wore big headphones. They tell you to get the F out of their mirror. You couldn't talk to them. She was very unapproachable. For one, because she was just so damn beautiful. She was humongous. She was very intimidating. But at 16 years old, I walked up to her. I touched her on her very muscular shoulder. And I said, I need you to be a model for my school calendar, (laughs) Shelly Beatty. (laughs) So, okay, this is special, too. Why'd you have to tap Shelly Beatty on the shoulder instead of yell yell at her from across the gym? Shelly Beatty is deaf. Siren, how are you able to communicate with one, your gladiator teammates, and also the officials and some of the other contenders? 
I've explained at the very beginning that in order to communicate with me, there's a few things that need to happen. First of all, you need to look at me. So she can read lips very, very good, and she speaks American Sign. Or um, if the event is just starting, um, someone has to move their hand down on the whistle, you know, because I can't hear the whistle, so you need to, to show me when I need to start. So it's fair. So yeah. that's why I had to tap her. And she looked confused and annoyed at first that I was stopping her. But then she stopped and she said, what? And she looked at me and then I spoke to her real slowly. And I said, I need you to do this tomorrow. And she said, okay. She, she smiled, kind of <laughs> laughed, rolled her eyes and says, now this is a woman who's a professional model now, who's on TV one night at prime time a week, who gets paid, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to do modeling gigs. And I say, can you be here? And I and she says, I can't be here till four. I go, no, you have to come till six because I don't get my mom's car till six. You're negotiating with a professional bodybuilder who's also an American <laughs> Gladiator when she can come do your uh, high school calendar. <laughs> Around my scout calendar. And of course, right. I was young. I did not know. It, it was certainly out of naiveness. I was just not knowing this. She came and we had a blast. We did it all over the gym. Everyone was impressed at the gym that I actually went and talked to her. A week later, I am in the... Um, I'm in the black, the dark room where you develop all the film. And Mr. Pete's standing on my shoulder, great teacher. And he says, holy fuck, how did you get Shelly Beatty to do your calendar? Because <laughs> I didn't tell anybody. And let's just say, Joe, my calendar was Shelly Beatty, the American Gladiator, the Miss Olympia um, contestant and professional model, was number one seller in the school that year. Probably, probably broke all sales <laughs> records to this day. I, that is amazing. <laughs> I just want to know what poor bastard was developing a, a, a photos in the calendar right next to you. Like, <laughs> You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self-empowerment and all the myths, lies, and misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then we use science and history to bust those myths and re-engineer a better you. I'm your host, Todd Laments, the extrovert. And I'm the writer, researcher, and introvert, Joe Anthony, whose job it is to dig through the outer layer of no-duh on the internet. They say you should never meet your hero. Ostensibly, to save you the disappointment of realizing how human and flawed they are. But that's more of a rule for big heroes. Heroes you watch on TV. Heroes you fantasize about meeting. What about life heroes? Heroes at work or school? How should we treat them? Or more importantly... How do we become them? So in, in your personal opinion, before we go any further, uh, we're just going to ask this question because I've, I've asked a lot of people this weirdly. Um, who it, Should you meet your hero? Have you met your hero in life? And should you? I'm afraid to, for the, the reason that, that you wrote in before. I don't want them to be superhuman. And I know they are. And my experience with heroes, and I guess hero and celebrity are two different things, I know, but a lot of times those go together. Yeah. What I learned, I, I lived in Vegas, and I had a few friends that worked as bodyguards for you know very famous people, and they did it for years, and it was extreme. They were either the greatest people ever, <laughs> or they were horrible people. <laughs> what about you, Joe? That's, that's been my experience, too, is... Um, you know, th there's all these articles online about like worst celebrities to meet, and 
there there are whole Reddit columns of like people who have met their heroes and just absolutely been like torn down verbally from them. They've met them and been very disappointed or worse. I mean, um, okay. So for, for example, I went through the experience of, I met my hero. I liked him. And then he ended up getting into a lot of hot water on social media. Like he basically got canceled. I don't have, uh, quite as exciting of a, a Shelly Beatty story. I read, Ender's game when I was in middle school and I thought that was such a game changer for me because I was in a uh, lower achieving school and my parents did not have a lot of money for like they had no money they, they had, I was gonna say for for academic extras no they they didn't have any money at all they they I did not take the SATs because um they didn't have the $50 it took for like the prep or the actual fee itself the day that it happened so I Ender's Game is a book or a, a sci-fi in space all about basically uh, super genius kids who take their education and their future in their own hands. And I read that and I was excited and fascinated. And I thought, wow, the author must be a genius. I, I'm I got to meet this guy like I I somehow like like all people. I want to impress my hero like I, I met him. And I, I very embarrassingly told him, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to work at becoming, you know, like like a writer, like I'm, I'm already a, a, an artist and I'm in high school, basically. And he later on got canceled, like like back in the 90s, you would just vocally say out loud your political opinions and people would roll their eyes like it, it was never acceptable. It was always boring or, or gauche. Yeah. <laughs> so he got in trouble and did he get canceled from his um, LDS community or just the, the world community? Um, he is no longer invited to speak at writing events. Like this guy was a a number one New York Times bestseller. Uh, he had a movie made out of his book. It was sold to all middle schools across America, uh, middle schools and high schools across America for you know, like a decade. And so he he was huge. And you can still see Orson Scott Card published books here and there. Um, and, but, and he's and he's a genius. He's got a lot of value to bring to a writing community. Am I right? I mean, yeah, he, I know how you feel about this guy. Oh, absolutely. And and he now will like if you approach him for like um, he he will sometimes speak for free. Like I've heard of him. Like he will answer fan mail. Like like he he's been asked to like he will show up at like a function people have invited him to. So like. It's not that his his star has gone so low that he is willing to do these things. It's more like he doesn't get invited to much anymore. And he has said yeah. so very openly in his classes. Um, and that's that's kind of the fear of meeting your hero is that you will meet them. You'll find out that they're human. Um, they will say some things that don't align with your your politics or your your beliefs socially or, you know, or something like like you'll, you'll it doesn't matter who it is, no matter how perfect they are. Something about them will not jive with your worldview and it will be kind of crushing. Well, that, that, that's what that's kind of interesting, too, because I, I know how much um, you studied with this guy. Isn't it that what you said kind of resonates with me? Don't we think like we're going to meet them and we're going to kind of like win them over and they're going to give us their cell phone and then we're going to hang out in New York together when we're in town or stuff? You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Doesn't it feel like or if it's a basketball player, they're going to want you to be on, they're going to pick you to be on their team. I mean, it's, you really get out there like you want to you want to get in there 
you know you're not them and you're not there yet, but you want to get in there, get on their team, get on their entourage. Right. Maybe if I can convince them how funny I am, they'll want to hang out with me on the weekend, even though I don't know anything about their sport. <laughs> or, yeah, or in this case, um, for for uh, the writer, like I was just like, oh, if 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 he knew that I was very good, like maybe he would like, you know, uh, help make me better. Like maybe he'd, he'd, you know, give me some pointers or something. But I so even if you're not in the same field as your hero, the idea is, you know, maybe they'll approve of me as a person, not not to make it instantly as deep as it can get. But like, that's really ultimately what we're going for. Right. When you want to meet your hero, you're looking for validation and 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 you're looking for somebody to basically tell you, you know, they're a person like you and they approve of you. The human Did, condition. Have you had a local hero that has felt like that? Don't meet the person who is like at the very top of the list for you. You know, it it, it will probably disappoint you. Um, but what about somebody who starts out human and is nearby you? Like, like what is a local hero you know of or have met? Well, this has been my experience with uh, serving and, and volunteering. I've always volunteered out of necessity. I was always going through something. I'll give you an example. My, my first time I started volunteering, I started volunteering at a food bank, but I was going through alcohol and drug problems at the time and was flirting with homelessness. And one of my friends from AA brought me to this food bank to get food because I didn't have food. And I was just so humiliated because it wasn't that long before that, that I had a house and a wife and a business and was doing very well. And here I am begging for food. And then I found out that if you volunteer there, you help for a couple hours and then you get food as well. So I immediately signed up for that because to me, I felt that seemed fair, you know, and it okay. wasn't about like working and get money, food. It wasn't that. It was just that I was so embarrassed, Joe, <laughs> that I thought people wouldn't see me doing it. They think I just volunteer there. And for some reason in my head, that was different. Right. Okay. And then I started volunteering at my church and you know, I got better in this. And the reason I volunteered at my church was because I was so insecure. I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't have a wife. And I was just kind of embarrassed to go to church by myself and sit by myself. It never bothered me when I saw a single, uh, you know, a married woman, a single mom or whatever, sitting by themselves or another man. And that's very common. But to me, I just felt so lonely. So I started, I volunteered to be on the safety team. The safety team's the ones that watch the pastors and make sure nobody shoots anybody. Right. And what I found from doing these kind of things is there is a lot of people who are selfless and give. And so when you, when you volunteer at the different places I volunteer, there's always about five or six people down there that you're just grateful that you get to spend a few hours every week with them. They're not perfect. They know they're not perfect, but they're actually one of those few people that are going out and doing things to help someone other than themselves. That is a very positive, like that's almost the exact opposite of meeting here and being disappointed. It's meeting local volunteers and, and people who do heroic things. And w would it hurt you to find out if, if one of those people had a human flaw? Like, I think if you if your bar is set lower meeting local heroes and I, I don't think it hurts as much when you find out that they believe the world is flat or something weird. No. And they are. There are weirdos. There's ones with weird past. I remember the one of the people who ran the, the food bank I worked at had extreme hoarding problem. And this would be someone you would never imagine. Um, what it does do for you, though, 
Joe, and, and I, I recommend anyone who goes and doesn't volunteer, it gives yourself a huge self-esteem booth, boost. It really makes you feel great. Now, one of the reasons I did it was to battle off depression and to keep myself busy because I noticed that when I'm busy, I don't, I, I don't have time to be depressed. So it's a good way of filling up your time. What I noticed about all these volunteers is, though, some of them have less than the people they're helping, which is very commendable and very, I mean, amazing. And then you get people who are super successful. It wasn't uncommon un, uh, for me to be working side by side with radiologists who were, you know, high earning multimillionaires who were just not too, not too good to go down and, and feed a homeless person or, you know, get food for a kid or, you know, just do stuff like that. I'm thinking, you know, you always hear this, you know, Joe has a heart of gold, right? Well, I want to hear some evidence. I don't want to just hear, <laughs> give me right. a few examples, <laughs> you know? The evidence is that they seem nice. like <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah, they smile at me and ask how my day was. Oh, they're a great person. Well, yeah, I think, I think, I think, that's, the, I think that's the American politeness. I don't think that makes you a, a great person. I think, I think good deeds do help. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think that volunteers, those definitely fall into the category of like when I see somebody who is very prolific in a volunteer community or very good at it. Um, uh, Todd and I knew, a, a, um, a councilwoman from Beaverton who was like doing habitats for humanities and like, like, like everything she did was a volunteer work of some sort. And I never thought of it as like, I'm meeting my hero right now. It was just like, wow, I'm meeting a very interesting person who's very good at a lot of different helpful things. And that's as an adult, as you get older, I think that's what it becomes like, like nowadays. I mean, honestly, if I met one of my heroes and I'm older jaded and I've like, worked in a lot of different fields. I don't know if I would have the same reaction as like teenage hero worship. Yeah. Like, like you, Todd, like now that you've literally bulked up, like if you met your, if you met Beatty right now, I mean, you can't obviously, but if you did, would you have the same reaction? I wouldn't. You, you and, and you know, Joe's a, you know, master, master craft of storytelling. And, I, and, and he's taught me a lot about, value changes every good story every movie every book you've ever read it has a, a powerful uh value change and i think that's that resonates with us in life joe and correct me if i'm wrong here is because that happens in our own life we think something is so important and then 20 years later we think that has no value oh absolutely <laughs> how big my biceps are doesn't mean as much as it used to <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because they are, like you said, I, I am built like a bodybuilder now, but <laughs> it doesn't seem I don't as value important. that anymore. I don't value that anymore. Yeah. So no, it's not boy band like it was then. Yeah, I used to think that like when you got to, you know, meet your heroes versus when you got to join your heroes, that was the difference. That you know, once you got up to that tier, it would be sort of like an elite club where everybody ships sips champagne together and and talks about how great they are and that they all made it it's like no you you get to a certain tier or level of whatever you're into and your heroes are just the other they're just people who do it like you do and and yeah. they they worked very hard too and that's it that's that's as they're as human if not more and that's that's how they got there um, i always think it's interesting two things joe is when yeah someone who's a you know, Elton John, just a musician, or Tom Brady, a quarterback, when they have other interests that are not that, you know? Right. <laughs> and you just think, how could you be this successful when you weren't just doing one thing? <laughs> you know? 
How could you be? And, and I saw a thing. I, I read this article years ago about Mark Messi. Uh, he's the one of the best. Lionel Messi. He's one of the best uh, best soccer players in the world, and um, he's playing for Miami now. And they did. They took him through his day when he was at his prime. You know, most popular in the whole. I mean, he's a worldwide famous athlete. Way more famous than LeBron James. And Joe, his day to day is not that much different than any other American dad's. And the things he enjoys playing with his kids, doing this, having breakfast with his wife, it's not billionaire, trillionaire, rock star stuff. It's just normal people, you know. And I think that's kind of nice too that to know that our our life is <laughs> some of the things we do are the same things that our that our heroes do and enjoy. Right. Did you have a a, a mentor or any sort of like any any heroes of yours that took you under your wing when you were younger? I did. I had a very, very good one. Um, his name was Ron Crawford, and he was my my one of my best friends. His name is Ian Crawford. It was his dad, and um, he was a great guy. He was not a TV dad at all. You know, he would yell at us and scold us, and he'd treat me just like I was one of his kids. But once after high school, I got into sales, and and Ron was a very successful real estate agent, and I got into auto sales, and I reached out to him. And he was just so proud and happy I got into sales. And he said, you're built for this. And he he really just encouraged me in a time of my life where I didn't know what I was going to do. I just didn't have anything. So, And when I got promoted, he was the first person I called. I didn't call my girlfriend. I didn't call my, my own parents. I called him. <laughs> and he was so excited. And he met up with me. And, and he said, what does this mean? And I said, well, I'm going to boss people around and make more money. And he, he rolled his eyes. And he said, Todd, it's being a manager is not about, it's about working more and making less money. And, and uh, so he, he was a good mentor for me. And he's someone that I could always just just call up and go over to his house with, without even. And I did that for, you know, through the years when I needed him. And he was always there for me. And he always believed in me. And he wasn't just blowing smoke. He genuinely wanted me to be successful in sales. And I think I was because of him. That is awesome. I, I think what you said there, that the, you called him up, you told him that you had gotten it. Like that's I, that is the kind of approval we can actually get from a, a, a small hero, like a lowercase h hero, somebody who has been a mentor or, or who has been a teacher to us. That's somebody we can actually contact. And that's somebody we can actually have a beer with, and and we can, you know, they can tell us, you know, uh, you know, you're here, but you still need to work on it or, or you need to realize that it's about you working with your team. You're going to make less money than you think. Like, <laughs> like the realism that comes with, with an actual local hero or a small hero. Well, in your writing career, Joe, too, you have been, I've heard you several times through the years mention when, when somebody, you know, you, you place in a certain contest, um, you have something that shows, but when someone tells you how good you are, and it's somebody of, of that you look up to. It's it's kept your kept wind in your sails through the years, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Like like when I think of small heroes, it's usually coaches uh, um, or, or or mentors within sort of the community I'm in. Um, we kind of already know that like mentors in in the professional workplace is astounding like like we i'm not going to rehearse all the metrics of it because we actually have an episode about mentoring um but the idea is that if you have a mentor in life 
if it is for um, mentoring people who are young and who need it and it will take them out of poverty or, or get them resources or uh, you know help them when they're in academic straits, you mentoring them or, or having a mentor will almost like guarantee them a route to graduation where they wouldn't have had one anyway. And it just takes one. It really honestly, like st- the stats bear out that it only takes one good influence to, to get you over the finish line. Same thing for um, career mentoring, like um, 25% of employees who are enrolled in mentoring programs, they end up getting promoted or, or moved up the ladder. For me in writing, it was um, just whatever coaches and whatever organization I was in, I would get these people who would like reach down a hand and, and say, you know, you, you, you got to this level, like, like, you know, if it's a, the first national contest I got into my local guild, the Willamette writers reached out to me and they invited me to like do some workshops and, and talk. And, and I had an editor who really helped me and they, they told me about opportunities. They're like, you should attend this boot camp. You should be going to this next contest. Like it wasn't, you're done forever. It was okay. Here are the next steps. And you know, they didn't, they didn't push me. They didn't put me on like the rails. It was more like they just let me know what the next level would look like and what to start looking forward to. And that's taken me up to like at this point, international contests. And ironically, like I talked about, you know, my high school hero who was canceled because, you know, he was a, a world renowned writer who said some weird stuff. And then through this look, uh, the organization I'm currently writing at for a contest it's it's um right of the future he's one of the teachers so like i ended up taking classes directly with him for the last couple of terms and also when i placed he would have been one of the judges so he's now read my short stories which i feel sorry i feel sorry for him yeah so when (laughs) i approached him in high school and i was like god i'd love to have this guy read some of my stuff and give me feedback this time i actually got you know him among several other heroes of mine to read it and one of them did write me direct feedback i got a page from um the uh, current chief judge who's just an absolutely fantastic author and everything she said was on point so yeah, just getting heroes at whatever level you're at. That should be it, is the hero level. Like, whatever your level is, find a hero on your level. I hope that teacher, I hope that writer remembers what a dipshit you were when you were a kid. Oh, <laughs> so God, I hope so, too. This can't be that same pimple-faced, yeah. <laughs> Kool-Aid ring-around-the-mouth kid that tried to tell me he was <laughs> going to do this. He actually made it. <laughs> I thought this kid had no chance, and he actually turned into a pretty decent writer. <laughs> If this was like a Hallmark movie or something, it would I would I would have that conversation. I would be like, so do you remember me? Like, like I'm back and I, I wrote the thing you're now looking at and his eyes would go wide. And no, I didn't. I said nothing. I don't want to remember that. I, I took his class and I did not even mention that. There's something that just my corporate mind popped up here. I think adult mentoring is, is, is key, but I think it takes a level of maturity from the mentor. You know, mentoring is. First of all, it takes a lot of patience, but you have to have a certain amount of security in your own skills that these young people aren't out to take my job. Yes. We all like to be flattered with what we know and tell people what we know. So if you can if you can bring people up and of course, you know, especially in corporate world today, I think a lot of the resources we're letting leave our companies as opposed to developing them, you know. 
there is absolutely a a real amount of gatekeeping that happens um, at in corporation or or just in the workplace where um, the fear that somebody is is going to you're going to extend a hand and then they will pull you down and use you as a ladder that is extraordinarily real and i've actually i don't think i've seen it happen i've seen it attempted i I think the reason i haven't seen it personally is because it's probably unlikely like i think it's just a fear i don't think it happens very often um it's ironic that there are actually like uh if you're a big comic book nerd literally there are comics about this like like that's what the the whole plot of the Incredibles, the Disney movie is about is, you know, somebody has a hero, they're disappointed to meet their hero, and then they take their hero's place by becoming a villain. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's the corporate version of that? It's it's you you meet the boss, you you make friends with them, the boss shows you everything they know, and then they report you for something awful, get you kicked out, and then they take your place. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. you show them all your cards, and then they get you blown. And that does happen. <laughs> Sadly, but but the uh, this is why why I want to encourage people to become adult mentors, and I'll tell you why. Joe, back me up on this. Of the ten people that ask you to do it, only one will really follow through. So, <laughs> yeah, if you feel like, oh no, I can't take all these people on, don't worry, they're going to <laughs> tap out before you do. <laughs> you might have t- coffee with them or lunch once or something, but that'll be fine. You'll be closer to them, and and. Um, would you agree with that comment? I would. I remember when I was a kid, I used to, in the 80s, go to rock concerts, and I just being shocked that these musicians, Motley Crue, Aerosmith, that those were real people. I just couldn't believe it. Like, those are human beings just like you and me, you know? Right. <laughs> they are. They're just, and they're very human. Did I tell you about the um, the online story uh, about Mick Jagger writing his signature on a, a napkin? No. Okay, so I, I've I've got a couple stories to to share with you. Speaking of rock stars being real people, um, I mentioned that I was sort of like trolling around online for stories of hero disappointments. It's you meet your hero and they're they're a total waste of space. So Mick Jagger walks into a bar, and this guy says that um, his grandpa was bartender that night, and you know he knew about the Rolling Stones, he knew about Mick Jagger. He wasn't a huge fan, but his kids were tremendous fans. Um, so he politely, you know, served him his drink and and asked for an autograph. And he said Mick Jagger didn't say anything at all. He just he just clicked out a pen and he, he started writing on a cocktail. And, you know, his grandpa thought, oh, cool, he's going to leave his uh, his autograph. And he looked over and he turned the napkin around to face him when Mick Jagger was walking away. And it just said, fuck you. <laughs> it didn't, oh, that's he, didn't sign his name or anything. A, that is such a rude way of saying that as opposed to just saying no thank you or we don't sign off. <laughs> what a jerk. That's my absolute favorite one because it, it did, yeah, it, it would have looked like he was actually putting his autograph down. <laughs> thank God it was just the grandpa, not the kids, right? Right. <laughs> That's so terrible. That took more effort to do that. That's That's the funny part to me is like, he had to take extra effort to be a jerk rather than to just give him the autograph or to say no, like just politely declining would have taken less effort. But um, okay, I'll share one more of these and then let's talk about like positive heroes. <laughs> like, um, So the other one that I, I found online that I thought was great was um, Cameron Diaz, the actress. Um, somebody uh, talked about being like a, um, 
uh, working in the the Hollywood industry. So they're not just like a nobody off the street. And they said they grew up with a poster of Cameron Diaz on their wall. And they were like a huge fan. And they met her in a lobby. And they were in the elevator. And they're like, oh, Cameron Diaz, like I'm a huge fan. And she made them get out of the elevator so she could ride up to the party alone. (laughs) And then didn't seem that shocked when, yeah, the, the, the person who was reporting on this, they're like, she didn't know I was going to the same party and they ended up going in and, and, you know, seeing them because it was a mutual friend's place, which I, I don't know why that's funnier for me that like. And her skinny butt needs the whole elevator herself because she doesn't want to be on there with this lower class. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's, it's, they don't want to breathe the same air and, and possibly have, I mean, my thought is, okay, I get it. If you're getting into a limo or an Uber and you don't want to talk, like you just, you are having a shit day and, and you do not actually want to talk or have a conversation. But the funny part is they were going to a party. So like, they're going to be talking to strangers just as a matter of course. So it's, it's Isn't not that like weird. Yeah. And they're hopefully going to be more pleasant than that. Right. My, my friend, him and his wife are huge NASCAR fans, and, and they love Dale Earnhardt Jr. They absolutely love him. He's a race car driver. His dad was very famous, and their son. So they go to meet him, and they pay to go to the autograph thing, and there's a long line for him. He's one of the most popular of all the fans. Well, they get up to him, and they they have all his gear on, his hat, his shirts, his sweatpants, his shoes. I mean, they're huge fans, right? They look like you could tell. a NASCAR driver themselves, like one of his – entourage he looks at them when it's there finally gets to their turn two hours later and he says i have to eat my sandwich now you understand that right and he eats a sandwich in front of them and they stand there with this awkward (laughs) while he eats his subway sandwich (laughs) and my friend said to me he's the nicest guy in the world he says he could have just signed it in the time he lectured us about (laughs) eating his sandwich right my, I, I like to imagine that as a subway commercial, like just, <laughs> just, just him saying that snidely. I, you know, you understand that, right? And then just like the the subway music playing, and just yeah, you know, like the 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 slogan, <laughs> "Eat fresh." So let's let, let's talk real heroes, because like we've, this is this is kind of our way of defining what um, a small hero is, because we're not really clear on it when when we talk. You know, local heroes. Um, uh, we we watch the Austin News here, and they will sometimes have a spotlight on local heroes, and they can't seem to decide what a local hero is. They will they will put up um, people who are in industries that are very respectable, like teachers, firefighters, police, things like that. They'll also put in like here's some kids who opened a lemonade stand to you know uh, pay into a a cancer Kickstarter. Um, we we talk mentorship. Uh, that that is a heroic thing. Um, we also talk about volunteering. So like, is there sort of a universal definition of a local or small hero? Is there some way we can sort of encompass everybody? There is. And I, what I think too, is I think we can talk ourselves out of a lot of good deeds. We can kind of wait. I mean, we, I think all of us at our core would like to be generous with not just our families, but whatever that looks like. You know, whether it's just in our community or in the world, we want to make a, we want to have purpose in life and we want to make a mark, you know, of goodness before we leave. But I think we could talk ourselves out of it. Like, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. 
So there's a lot of things, but I came up with two, one of them being my mother. My mother is, uh, was a public school teacher for many, many years, and she has a passion for kids who can't read, for um, kids who just can't read. So and in this country, there's 30% of kids who graduate from high school who are illiterate, Joe, who graduate from high school. My mom started her own business. She quit public school because of this passion for helping kids read, and she started her own tutoring business. She's brought kids who can't read, severe low self-esteem from being held back a grade to the honor roll. So I don't know how many kids she's helped. I'm sure it's in the, the hundreds by now. But the ripple effect of that work, I think, is very, very special. I think that's a, a local hero. It's something that a lot of people could do that doesn't require them to be doctors in Africa or to have a billion dollars and give away 90% of their self-worth like the, <laughs> the billionaires right. clubs do. An, another one I have is uh, Richard Nares. And this is from this is out of San Diego, California. And it's very sad. Richard, he lost his son, his young son, Emilio, to cancer in 2000. And he started a program called Ride with Emilio to provide transportation for families with low incomes, um, transportation for their kids to get them to and from their medical procedures. Now, think about what a huge help that is, Joe. It's one thing if you have money and you have nannies and you have a single parent that stays home to take your kid. But when you don't have money and you have to work full time just to get by, can you imagine a, a ride to the doctor's office by somebody who not only knows what your kid's going through, but's been through it and lost a kid to cancer? And I think that's just such a brave, such a hero act and such a good um, tribute to his son. But I'm sure it's hard on his heart, you know, because he thinks of these kids, I'm sure, as it reminds him of his son every day. If anyone's been in the position in life where you have to take a bus to the hospital while you are very sick, it is a terrible, terrible experience. Like that is that is the lowest you can feel is when you are when the bus ride itself is making you feel ill because you are in dire straits. So that that is and that's such a small thing like like it is a very simple thing that is very accessible for him to do like that is an amazing heroic act and it really is like like uh, uh, providing something extraordinarily basic can we can we say that that is basically the the lesson at least the lesson i'll take away from this episode which is being a small hero and being a a hero to somebody else really just comes down to saying that you have time for it mm -hmm. absolutely that's well said joe and, and i and i think this is what we do in the human brain we try to te tell ourselves that we don't have that much time but if you go out and serve in a capacity, go out and volunteer and do something, I think what you get back on it in relationships and to be around so many local heroes is such a better use of your time than watching TV or just doing nothing that you're going to win in the long run. And then someday you're going to be somebody's hero. You've been listening to The Reengineered You. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You mean the world to us. We have a new episode every week. You can connect with us at www.re-engineeredyou.com. That's where we have research links, show notes, feedback, and blog articles for each of our episodes. 
We're not experts in anything, but we've got an opinion on everything. Thank you.